Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am alone here in the in our beautiful studios in downtown Dallas, uh, except for my my good pal Doug, who's who's running the boards here for us. Uh, but joining me on the line, the one, the only Brad Sham. Brad, how are you? I'm fine, Kevin. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. It's kind what, of nice. What have, you, what have you done to irritate all of your cohorts and coworkers? Well, you know, that's that's been a pretty much a, a, a career long uh, question. <laughs> Uh, but, what have you done? Yeah, what have I done? Well, Evan Grant is moving his stepdaughter into uh, college, and you know, okay, well that's that's an acceptable excuse. It is an acceptable excuse, not for not for Evan, really, though. You know, I think you know, Evan. It's like I have to do what? You know, this this uh, parenting thing that he came to late in life uh, is uh, been a struggle for him, I think. But uh, well, but, I, I know, but he's he's embraced all the others, so I, I I'm confident. <laughs> You're more confident than I am, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how he does. Uh, and then David Moore is scrambling around uh, trying to get uh, to, to news. You know that's the that's the thing about this business. You know, there's always something happening, uh, always stuff going on. So so David is scrambling around trying to get to the bottom of a a couple of stories uh, for the Dallas Morning News and for DallasNews.com and Sports Day. So we will we will see what comes from all of that. But right. uh, but uh, but first, I wanted to discuss something with you. You know, just to let you know that I'm I'm following you on Twitter and I'm reading that stuff. Uh, and the other day you tweeted something that was very intriguing to me. You said, and let me, let me make sure I'm characterizing this correctly, that uh, if this continues, uh, the, uh, the style of play that he's shown so far in two preseason games, that Jalen Smith would be the most explosive Cowboys linebacker since Hollywood Henderson in the mid-70s. Did I, did I get that right? Pretty close. I said that if this is who Jalen Smith is going to be, and the this for me included what we've seen in training camp and in the first two preseason games, and and it's an if because he's still the people I've talked to have indicated he he may not be a hundred percent of what he was at Notre Dame before the injury in the Fiesta Bowl. Doesn't mean he won't get there. Doesn't mean that he will get there, and it'll be this year. Um, he, but he's he is most of the way back, according to the people who studied him then and work with him now. And if that's the case, and if this is going to be consistent, and he's going to be able to sustain it, and, and I. I tweeted that only, Kevin, after the game. I came home Saturday night after the game, and I looked back at the linebacker starters, because Henderson is who who I think of when I look at him physically. Big, uh, really athletic, uh, fast, and strong. Right. And so I thought, okay, am I missing somebody? So I looked back at all of the 
starting linebackers for the Cowboys in the last 40 years. So you're just not just tweeting off the top of your head like everybody else? Uh, no, no, I'm no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, and when I do, oh, nothing good really usually happens. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Those can be and, career and, killers. And I would say that that doesn't mean the best linebacker because that guy might be playing next to him. Yes. And they've had some very good linebackers. And of course, I'm. I said since since Henderson. So that means I'm not going back and looking before 1975, and Henderson, uh, like Jalen, didn't start the first couple of years. But when you look at, I mean, they've had some really good linebackers. Ken Norton, Dan oh, yeah. Wynn. Um, Ken Norton is who I was thinking even, of when you said that. Uh, who's that? Ken Norton was the guy I was thinking of when you said that. I, I was wondering, I was trying to recall. Although I would say maybe, maybe you know, I, and I haven't seen Jalen play. I didn't see him in training camp. Uh, I didn't go. And so you were there every day, and, you, and you've seen him and, and seen what he's done. So, yeah, I, I uh, no, I think he's faster than Ken. Yeah, uh, and and uh, Ken Norton was a really good player. And, sure, and uh, and that when they and I'm not even including Keith Brooking and Zach Thomas, who were who were tremendous linebackers, but were here at the end of the career. And the tweet in the tweet, I also said I'm counting Demarcus Ware as a defensive end. Yeah, so he so he's not in the picture, and so you know Brady James was a really good linebacker. I mean they've had they've had some really good linebackers, but none of them were explosive, in my opinion. Yeah. As explosive as Jalen Smith is, in the way that Henderson was. Henderson was was one of Gil Brandt's greatest finds. He And we all know what Thomas's problems sure. were, but I'm leaving that aside. His Just his... Um, Speed and and explosion and sideline to sideline ability and back and forth coverage, his his power in tackling and uh, just presence, just reshaping the offense presence, and they haven't had anyone who did all of that in my opinion in the way that Jalen looks like he could do it. Uh, since Henderson was starting to come into his brief prime. Now let me ask you about this um, with with Jalen. When when he showed up and had this problem, and of course, you know, which caused drop foot, which caused him to have to wear a, a, a special orthotic device, and um, and he had to play with that device. Uh, which uh, the stories that that I went back and looked up, and people I tried to find other cases of this, there are not very many good stories. I mean, almost none uh, of this type of, type of thing. And of course, we were told from day one that uh, that the Cowboys uh, doctor is the one who did did the work, and uh, that he must have given them a really good uh, thumbs up on this. And it, it just seems a lot like Jerry Jones being what Jerry Jones is is eternally optimistic uh, that something's going to work out. And uh, and and you know, I, I I was willing to wait to see you know let let's see what this kid can do. Let's see how far he comes back. Uh, and, and you know, but. But I was thinking, you know, I, this doesn't look good to me. Doesn't look like he's ever going to get back to what he was before. If you look at the history of all this, so how how surprised are you by all of this? Well, I'm mildly surprised, but I'm also reminded of what when I was doing the Rangers, what the late great Johnny Oates used to say to me on a daily basis before we'd we'd, we'd meet at the batting cage with all the media and talk about the game the day before, and I'd say, 
you know, was, why'd you why'd you make this move? Why'd you do that? And he'd just look at me and he'd say, "Well, that's why I'm down here and you're up there." <laughs> 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 so the fact that we are all surprised at the extent of what Jalen uh, has done so far, just so far. I mean, I think he's got a lot of things to prove still. Uh, among them, his ability to sustain this this level of play that we're seeing right now for you know forty or fifty snaps a game. Uh, last year, I think a lot of us were put off the scent of what was possible by the fact that circumstances, mostly injuries, dictated last year that he played way more snaps than they ever intended. Right. And uh, so, so a lot of us thought, okay, well, this just didn't work. Nice try, bad managing, it didn't work. But that wasn't the end of the story, nor do I think we are at the end of the story now. I think we're seeing who he is going to be. You know, most of us, um, as fans and reporters, I think, uh, we, we don't watch Notre Dame every play. We saw some highlights of when he was right. played for Notre Dame, but we we weren't really qualified to say what he did or was capable of. That's what scouts and coaches do, and that's why they drafted him. And here's the thing that people need to remember. Uh, th- there's good news, and uh, depending on your level of skepticism, uh, potentially bad news. To me, it's not about Jerry's optimism. To me, when you look at Jalen Smith and Randy Gregory... I would say this is the very face of Jerry Jones' philosophy of risk-reward come to life. Uh He looks at these two guys, not together, of course, because they were separate deals, separate years, but he looks at at a Randy Gregory, he looks at a Jalen Smith, he sees what the risk is, he understands, and then he sees what the potential reward is. And if you want to understand how Jerry Jones approaches problems with a risk reward factor, you look at these two guys. Yeah, yeah, I, because, yeah sure. And, and now, for 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 fans who demand a hundred percent excellence, the bad news would be that th- these successes are going to probably encourage future gambles. Yeah. And some of them won't pan out. But some of them might turn out to be what it looks like Jalen Smith and Randy Gregory could be right now. And everybody said, if you remember, Kevin, when they drafted Smith, that, uh, it, okay, this is he's clearly not going to play now, and who knows if he's ever going to play. But if he does, and if he ever returns to something approaching what he was at Notre Dame, then if you got Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott and Jalen Smith in the same draft, and I'm probably forgetting a couple, uh, then that's a hell of a draft. That's an all-time draft. Yeah, and that, that, may be, that may be what's about to happen. But all I know is what I see, and I did see every practice in training camp, you know, and I obviously I see the games, and what I see is something that that I don't think Cowboy fans have seen in this uniform in 
a very long time. The only thing I would say about the the risk reward part of that is that um, uh, you, you know, and of course, it's a question. You know, how long would Jalen Smith have lasted in that draft? Would he have would he have gone all the way through the second round? Would he have made it into the third round? Uh, you know, I don't we'll know. never know. I don't know. And that's and that's the thing. You know, it's, it's a little bit like the Quincy Carter pick. You know, if you, he could have waited to take Quincy. You know, I wouldn't have been in favor of taking him ever. Frankly, well, you know, the th- here's but, the thing: you never know about that. Yeah, you, you just. I mean, they had information that uh, he would, Jalen would not have lasted the second round. Mm-hmm. But that might have been uh, information that was planted by Russian bots. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it could it could it could have been wrong. Yeah. And and if someone scammed them, then someone was laughing when look what, what we made Dallas do. Mm-hmm. Well. Are they? I don't know if they're laughing now. Yeah, uh, the, you know they said the same thing about people. People, um, even even uh, up until the last year or two, criticized uh, taking Travis Frederick with the thirty-first pick uh, because they said, "Well, they would have got him in the second round or maybe the third. Well, how do you know? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know what because look, John Miller, the great baseball announcer, John Miller. When I was working with Eric Nadell doing the Rangers. Uh, taught me something called that I that I talk about all the time. It's called the fallacy of the preordained hit, which uh, says in baseball that if a guy is thrown out stealing second and the next guy gets a hit, universally everybody says, "Oh, well, that would have been a run." Right. And the problem is that hit was not preordained. The no. defense and the pitch and the pitch selection would have been probably completely different. Everything changes. You don't know if Travis Frederick had not been taken 31st, if Jalen Smith had not been taken where he was. None of us knows what would have ensued. All we know is what did happen. And so you just, I think, have to evaluate it based on what we know, not what we think, because we might think wrong. And if this is who Jalen Smith is, I'll stand by the tweet, if this is who Jalen Smith is, then this is really special. So this has uh, done something, and, and, and let's take that. Let's say that, let's run with that, if this is who he is. Uh, that's something different for these Cowboys because they have not, you know, I, I don't say, I don't want to say that Jimmy Johnson didn't value linebackers, but. Uh, um, oh, I'll say it. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. But it wasn't, yeah, they weren't priorities to him. Uh, and I uh, thought he could live with it. You know, a guy would play pretty well and then a contract would come up and then he'd be gone. Uh, so, um, this to me, uh, changes the dynamics of things. It just seems to me, and I don't want to make a prediction on this, uh, just yet, but, uh, it seems to be the dynamic of this defense is changing a little bit and maybe the dynamic of the whole team and what has been, you know, for a while there, it was a, it was an offensive team and they're going to have to outscore everybody. Uh, and there were no no stars on the defense except for Sean Lee uh, when he, when he was healthy and he was he was great no question about it and it seems to me now that what we're starting to see is that well maybe there are some stars on this defense now besides Sean Lee and certainly budding stars and it seems to me that they have a lot of things that they can do now and uh, and if, if there's questions now uh, and, and it's you know it's on the offense not just because of of uh, the absence of Jason Witten and Des Bryant, but because of uh, now we've had some, uh, we've seen some injury uh, situations in the offensive line, and, and uh, we, we can talk about that in, in a second. But I wanted you to talk about this defense and, and talk about the potential you think you see in it. 
I, and I, I really try to be very careful because my eyes will deceive me sometimes. I, I remember thinking in 2015, see, I don't think this is sudden. You, you can't rebuild everything all at once. Right. And, but, and, but they knew, you know, don't forget, they, they traded a high pick to go up and get Morris Claiborne. Now, that didn't work out, but that was an effort to uh, address the defense. They did the same thing with Demarcus Lawrence, who I would say is you know one more good season away from being a certified superstar. Yeah, and so they've been trying to do this, and uh, but in 2015, so so okay, so here they are in 2015. They got Romo, Witten, Bryant, all the rest of it, uh, and a 2014, 2014, and right. uh, and they go to Green Bay. And they lose to a one-legged man. Yep. <laughs> and it didn't matter. I'm I'm going to my grave saying, yeah, I thought Des Bryant caught that ball that day. I thought it then. I think it now. And I also think it didn't matter. Yeah, you and I, you and I have talked left. about that before. I, I, I agree yeah, with there you. Were, I understand it would have yeah. changed the mentality and everything else. I get all that. Did you see the game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there were four minutes left, and Aaron Rodgers was playing on one leg. That game brought us Greg Hardy. Yeah, that's right. And Gregory at the same time. Yeah. And that probably was not good for Gregory. But I understand why it was a bad move uh, that that a lot of people didn't agree with for non-football reasons right away, Hardy I'm talking about. Yeah. But that's why it happened, because they looked at that game and they said, okay, well, we can do whatever we want on offense. We're good enough. But we got to fix the rest of this, and they tried to do it then. And you you can't fix everything all at once. But I do think that you are correct that they have been trying to address for longer than most of us really um, can see the the defense at the same time. And I also completely agree that you're correct that there is a this is a dynamic defense and to me um when people talk about defense people mostly fans and us we we reduce it in simplicity to a pass rush and cornerbacks and maybe a safety who hits like ronnie lott and jumps over the line of scrimmage like troy palomalo that's what we think of. Well, defense is a whole lot more than that, and they have begun to address that. They've been trying to, in my opinion, for quite a while. But what I think what you're seeing, and again, when I looked at that defensive line in training camp in 2015, before I knew anything more about Greg Hardy, I just saw him running around, and Gregory was out there, and Lawrence was out there, and Tyrone Crawford, of whom I am a big fan, uh, and I thought, well, this is going to be the best pass-rushing defensive line they've had since I don't know when. Harvey and Ed? I don't know. And it wasn't. It wasn't. And it wasn't for some football reasons and some non-football reasons. Now, what they have now, and I still think they, uh, I still think that they're trying to figure out how to address defensive tackle. Now they have injuries there. And uh, you know, David Irving is another one of these guys. I don't. Right. I, I really like the kid um, personally. I don't know if we'll ever see him play. He, he's convinced that we will, and 
some of the same people who helped Gregory are trying to uh, work with Irving now. But for me, uh, let's just factor him out. We right. know he's suspended. We know he's missed training camp. So let's factor him out. So you have some versatility up there. Gregory would be something that would kind of put it over the top. Uh, but Lawrence is really good. Uh, I think they found something. I think their scouts were really on top of it when they drafted Armstrong, who I didn't know anything about. Very impressive. Listen, nobody and, knew anything about a guy who came from the Kansas team. Yeah, and and how he, and he got from Houston. He he's from Houston. Yeah, he went from Houston to Kansas. Yeah, and so and then they you know a lot of things happened. He had a great year two years ago, and then they changed systems and coordinators, and he couldn't get on the field. And uh, he he looks good to me. I think he's going to help him. I think and. Uh, you know, Crawford's got will go inside and outside. And I think Coney Ely, who started camp slowly, uh, looked like he was kind of coming around. And uh, Rod Marinelli has liked him from the spring, and I think he's got an opportunity to add depth. Okay, so you know they're, they've got a chance to be pretty good up there, but their linebackers are so uh, changed from a year ago. They had. I think six linebackers last year. Two or three of them they didn't want playing defense. They were only there for special teams. Two or three of them couldn't play special teams. They were only there for defense. And one of those was Justin Durant, who could only play about 25% of the plays. Right. Well, you now have, and nobody's talking about Chris Covington yet, who has, who got pneumonia in camp and is just now getting back on the field. But they've got seven linebackers who they are happy to play on defense and on special teams. Well, I don't think you want to put Jalen or Sean, Sean Lee on special teams no. right now. But the other the other ones are key contributors. But if you look at what uh, Joe Thomas did in training camp, a guy who was here for two weeks in between being with Green Bay, and I went back and looked at the tape of, again after the game against the 49ers, the, the first preseason game, and I'm and I'm – Looking at number 48, and I'm not seeing a backup linebacker who is here to play special teams. I'm seeing a linebacker. and He looked pretty that, good in that game the other night. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I think that I think that uh, Justin March Lillard is a very useful player. I know, here's a guy nobody's talking about. Damian Wilson, all kinds of problems off the field. Last year, people remember his rookie year, he made a bad read on a play at the end of a game in New Orleans. They lost the game in overtime. Let me tell you something. Damian Wilson has turned into a pretty solid player who is now training both at strong side and middle linebacker in the nickel. And so they've got some versatility, and they're fast, and they're going to tackle because Chris Richard is going to make sure that they tackle. And he is, of course, as Rod Marinelli has said, uh, Richard is one of the biggest differences, and I think you see that in the cornerback play, but you also see it in the safety play. I mean, Byron Jones looks like a different guy, and I thought he was as good a player as they had on the field in Oxnard, and we're, we're seeing Awuzie, and Jeff Heath looks like a major league safety, and um, he says that a lot of that is uh, has to do with Richard. Now, the problem with all of this is what you alluded to a minute ago, and that is everybody in the NFL is one wrong injury away from the whole thing 
coming unraveled. Xavier Woods, terrific find in the draft. They knew, and they, he's clearly coming. Well, now he's got a hamstring. He's going to miss probably a couple of preseason games. So they've got to find somebody else at safety. And that's the nature of the NFL, sadly. When Zach Martin couldn't go back in the game, everybody just swallowed hard and turned pale. And, um, you know, hopefully he's going to be okay. Now it's the same thing with Travis Frederick, trying to figure out about these stingers. And if he's, if he's okay eventually, then, then great. And if he's not, and we saw it with Tyron Smith, everybody is one wrong injury away from the whole thing coming unraveled. And uh, depth is hard to find. It's really hard to find. So let's uh, talk about that depth. Let's uh, let's uh, take the uh, you know uh, we're we're going to take the, the the bad side of this and say that, that Travis Frederick may be out for a while uh, if they can't figure this out. Uh, what did you think of uh, Joe Looney's play at center? Oh, Joe's not Travis, and I love Joe, and he knows I love him, uh, and and I think that they could compete. They won't they won't have to turn in their franchise papers if if Joe Looney has to play center for a few weeks. Uh, but he's not Travis Frederick. Right. I mean, Travis Frederick is arguably the best center in the league. I think you can make an argument that they've got three offensive linemen on potential Hall of Fame tracks, and uh, Travis is is the as the, as the center and the guy who makes the calls. Zach Martin can make the calls, um, but but Travis is the heartbeat of it, and uh, they would dearly miss him. They would not quit functioning, but they would dearly miss him. But Joe Looney, I think, is when you look at backups, especially backups to all-pro players around the league, I, I, I think Joe Looney it factors in very well there. They can run their offense, and uh, one thing that's better for Joe is funny how things work out. He missed all of OTAs with a wrist injury. And because he was not able to participate in uh, the OTAs, he got in the he went in the weight room with Mike Wojcik, and he did work leg strength work that he had probably never done. And as a result, um, I think Joe would tell you that he is stronger. He's got a he's got a stronger base, and he may be stronger than he's ever been. He's seven years into his career, and he's probably the best he's ever been. He's not Travis Frederick, but. He, but he's probably the best he's ever been, and I'm I'm impressed that he played like almost the whole game in the second preseason game. Yeah, uh, and I, and I think you know what would what would be their other option there? Uh, well, that was going to be Marcus Martin, who's got a broken toe, <laughs> right? And he's he's done for the season, right? So yeah, he's on in, well, he's on injured reserve. Yeah. You can always change that to recallable, but I mean he's. He had a broken toe, I think, and or turf toe, a toe injury that was going to require surgery. Yeah. So, and that's a big man on that on that toe. So, yeah, I mean, they're out there, they're out there looking now, just like everybody else is. Yeah. So, if we're if we're talking about uh, this team now and uh, and how it's shaping up uh, going into this season. Uh, do do you feel like any questions you have about the offense and their abilities to replace uh, the the you know you don't replace Jason Witten obviously uh, and uh, and in some respects you know it's going to be difficult to replace what Des could do. Um, do you feel like that the uh, the things they can do on defense now will 
will help balance that out uh, of, of what they might have lost from the offense? Well, I think we always start with the injuries because, as Babe Laufenberg tells me all the time, if you want me to tell you who's going to win, you have to tell me who's going to play. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's so if we presume that they're going to play with with a full deck of what they have, then my answer to your question is first, I think the offense is better than a lot of other people think it is. I I think they will actually, and you can quote me. All right, we they will. will make. They will make a. I know you're going to anyway. Uh, they will make uh, some first downs and score some touchdowns throwing passes to wide receivers. That will happen. <laughs> that will actually happen. That will happen, and you can quote me. <laughs> I, I I said to a fellow that I was having, let's say, a conversation with a few months ago. Uh, he said they haven't got anybody. They haven't got any receivers. They got nobody to throw to. <laughs> And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I may not have said it calmly. <laughs> I said, let me ask you a question. If you have not heard of a guy, does that make him a bad player? Yeah. Because yeah. the fact is you said it'll be hard to replace what Des could do. And, and, and the fact is that Alan Hearns pretty much does that. I, hey, I'm not criticizing Des. But if you look statistically, if you don't, if you take out personalities and the fact that you've got three number eighty-eight jerseys hanging in your closet, if you just look at the numbers of Alan Hearns and Des Bryant, they're similar. Now, I think it's incumbent on the coaching staff, and I do think that we have seen that this is in the process of happening, uh, that they find ways to get Cole Beasley comfortable and back to what he was two years ago, and that they find ways to take advantage of what Gallup can do and what Hearns can do. And coaching staffs can put handcuffs on teams, and coaching staffs can turn them loose. I think that there is enough talent in the wide receiver group and I actually think the tight ends are good football players. You don't don't talk to me about, well, we're going to miss Jason Witten. Well, he's a Hall of Famer. They still miss Randy White for crying out loud. <laughs> of course, you're going to miss Jason Witten. Uh, there's enough talent combined with the offensive line and the running back and the unique skills of the quarterback. To uh, and by the way, don't don't throw Terrence Williams out in the wash yet. Just you, you see, people can say what they want and make jokes if they want. Just watch him play. Just watch him play. He's that touchdown the other night is something that uh, it takes a real professional player to do. And he didn't just show up there in the corner of the end zone because I talked to him Monday night at length about. Uh, how how routes work with Dak when they break the pocket. There's a plan. Everybody's got a place to go. And Terrence Williams knows where to go, and he outfought that guy for that touchdown. That's not the last time you'll see that this year. No, they talked so, about that and how that was something they've been working on and, and when when uh, Dak was rolling like that. And, and that, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you, and you like to think that that is something that's just not something they just drew up on the schoolyard, you know. It, it, it's not. You know, uh, Terrence used to say to me that when, when Romo was in his prime, that the thing about uh, Tony is that 
uh, when the play is over, that's when the play starts. <laughs> and if you think about it, Laurent Robinson probably made his his whole career's earnings on that. Yeah. Remember Laurent Robinson? Oh, sure, absolutely. The one year he showed up in the second game, and he, yes. and he, he and Romo had schoolyard chem- chemistry, and he scored 11 touchdowns and went off to Jacksonville with a lot of money. I don't think you've ever heard of him again. No, no, disappeared. But, yeah, but he did that one year, and uh, the question I asked Williams actually was, I said, remember when, I remember when you said that to me, and so what I want to know from you now is, are you, is that where you were getting with Dak? And he said, yes, partly because there's a plan for where everybody's supposed to go, and they work on things. If he spins this way, go here. If he peels off this way, go here. It requires intelligent uh focus on the part of the receivers and uh, they're being required to do that by who I think is an exceptional receivers coach and and so it's partly incumbent on the offensive coaching staff to put these guys in position to be the athletes that they are and I understand that there's no there's no track record or pedigree for this group of receivers and the only prediction I'll make is that we'll feel differently about them when the season's over. We have nothing to base it on now, but but you know, hope and optimism and projections or pessimism if that's your bent. And most people on Twitter seem to be bent that way. And uh, I I think that the off now does that mean you wouldn't want Larry Fitzgerald? No, I'd love to have Larry Fitzgerald or Julio Jones or Michael Irvin. Yeah, of course. If you don't have them, does that mean you can't function? No. And if they have their offensive line and their quarterback is going to continue to grow at a rate that I think it's reasonable to expect, they've got their running back, uh, I, I think that their offense is absolutely capable. And then if the defense improves to the extent that you are suggesting, and, and I think that they might have, uh, well, then you got a nice contending little team that no one wants to talk about for a while until everybody's talking about them. Yeah, that, but my uh, my experience on the on the NFL and the Cowboys in particular is that uh, it 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 all depends on how you came off of the last season, and either there is huge hopes for the team or dire straits. And, and you can't talk anybody out of that until you get into the season. And to me, it's just if you look at a lot of this stuff and, and, and what you talked about with the receivers and uh, and I have maintained that uh, pretty much all along that uh, when when people would talk about, well, you don't have a number one receiver. And I said, well, you two years ago, your, your number one receiver was Cole Beasley. Uh, so, so you really haven't had that Des Bryant for a while. Uh, and, and, and I, and I, listen, I'm a huge fan of Jason Wetton. He is a hall of famer, but his yards after catch, uh, the last several years have not been great. And so I, I think what you're going to see here is, uh, the opportunity to, to maybe, uh, take advantage of, of some of the youth that the, they have on the team. This is the direction the NFL is going. Younger and younger and younger, uh, and, uh, and and with that, more speed and athleticism, and uh, and what you hope is is that there's enough older guys around uh, who can put everybody in the right place. Yeah, we- and by the way, uh, one one more thing about the offense, uh, it 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 uh, somewhere between amuses and irritates me when people talk about uh, Prescott as a dink and dunk quarterback, because a I think he's already proven that he can get the ball down the field. 
but B, if you give me three four-yard completions every series, I'll guarantee you a first down. Yeah, I never had a problem with that. See, I grew up in Houston, and my favorite quarterback in all those years that they had all those problems uh, was Charlie Johnson, who had played for the Cardinals. Do you remember, do you remember yes, Charlie? I remember Charlie Johnson. Yeah, and, and Charlie Johnson's deal was I'm, I'm going to dink and dunk all the way down the field. He had done that yeah, for the Cardinals and been a great quarterback sure. for them. And, and it's okay as long as you do it down the field. Well, that's now, absolutely if you, right. If you make a stupid penalty and you've got second and 20 – then you need something a little more than three, four-yard passes. I will also contend you have to have guys who can get downfield. Uh, yeah, well, of course you do. And, and that's, and that's part of the do, issue. I, so we'll see I, what yeah, happens we'll, there. we'll see. You know, that, that's why they signed uh, Deontay Thompson, and he hasn't played yet. Uh, and and I, think, I think we've seen some signs that Gallup can do that. He's a you know, wide receiver might be the hardest position for a rookie to play well mm-hmm. in the NFL because of the – Routes are so sophisticated, and the coverages are so much more sophisticated than anything they see in college. And, and so it, sometimes it takes them longer. That doesn't mean they're not there. Right. Absolutely. All right, we're going to wrap this up, but I'm going to have one last question for you, and this is probably not a fair thing to throw out at the very end. Uh, well, then it would be very like you. Yeah, it would. It would. <laughs> so are the, is, is Earl Thomas going to be suited up for the Cowboys' first game? Boy, you know, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. Uh, I hope so. I, I, I'd do it. I'd do it. I, I'd do it. Absolutely. But there are some other deals out there that are, I don't know if they're possible or if they're just good media talk, but, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a couple of guys in the defensive line that that you would work, you would you would talk about, and then you get into resource management and, my banker and accountant will tell you resource management is something I should never discuss. So. <laughs> Me neither. I can't even balance my checkbook. So, uh, Brad Chapman, it's been wonderful having you on here. As as always, you're the best. And, and you've got your own little podcast going. I do. I do have my own little podcast going. It's called Then and Thanks for Asking. It's called Then and Now with Brad Sham, And it's about uh, conversations that don't have to do with uh, hot sports takes. It's... Uh, Let's find out who some of these folks are. And the next one, uh, which I believe will uh, drop this week, uh, will be with Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. That'll be interesting. And you can talk to him about this uh, wide receiver uh, uh, combination. Oh, I have. I have a great length. (laughs) Yes, I bet you have. I bet you have. Rad, we'll be listening to you. It's always great. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Anytime. You betcha. There he goes, everybody. Brad Sham, the one and the only. You know, I've said this before, and I've said it to Brad, and I've said it to other people as well. I would rather listen to Brad Sham do play-by-play on football than anybody else I can think of. Um, I, I love his, I love his pace. I love his. Uh, he, he's enthusiastic when he needs to be, and he is straight up when he needs to be. And and you don't always get that from broadcasters, especially the home team broadcasters. So. At any rate, uh, one of my all-time favorites, and 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 a pretty great guy as, as well. So uh, this week, that's all we have for you. Evan was on uh, hiatus, uh, moving his stepdaughter uh, into college, uh, and he uh, forbid me from doing a, uh, a Rangers podcast without him. He was afraid I was going to talk about all the things that he had written that was and said that was wrong this year, and he was right about that. So uh, we'll have to save that uh, for another time. And uh, our, our old friend Tim Brando had to back out on us 
once again, but we will have him back uh, fairly soon to do our, our colleges podcast. We can't do without Tim, uh, who uh, has an opinion or two or three hundred. Um, so he'll be great once we get him on. So uh, for this week of the old ballsy podcast, that'll do it. Everybody in here to everybody out there. Thanks so much. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.